Thanks for listening to this message. For more information about The Exchange, visit www.theexchange.cc. Or you can join us for one of our Sunday gatherings each Sunday at 8.30, 10, and 11.30 a.m. Today we're kicking off a brand new series called People Problems. Are you ready? All right, buckle up. People Problems. I wonder how many of you, by a show of hands, would admit that you have somebody, just somebody in your life that's just a little bit difficult. Anybody willing to admit that? Awesome. I think we're going like 100% in the room today. Now here's the real question where the rubber meets the road. Are you ready? How many of you are sitting next to that person right now? Don't, no, 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 just kidding. Don't put your hands up. Don't do that. Don't put your hands up. No, man, today we're kicking off a brand new series called People Problems. And here's the reality. In this series, we're going to look at some truth and some examples from God's Word on how to deal with difficult people in our lives. We've all got them, but how do we deal with them? And so over the next few weeks, I'm going to go ahead and give you a teaser where we're going over the next four weeks together. In this series, we're going to talk about how to deal with controlling people. Maybe you got some of those in your life. We're going to talk about how to love the very, very needy people in our lives who always drain us. How do we do that? We're also going to talk about how do we love the hypocritical people in our life. The people who say that they're a follower of Jesus, they say that they're a Christian, but they live completely the other way. What is our role in their lives? How do we do that? So that's where we're going to go in the next few weeks. Today, though, I want to deal with something that all of us will have to face at one point or another, and that is critical people. All of us have to face critical people. So again, how many of you would say that you have somebody in your life that their spiritual gift is fault finding? How many of you just throw that hand up right there? Okay, no elbows thrown, just hands up. How many of you got spiritual gift people and their spiritual gift is fault finding? They can criticize anything and everything from sun up to sundown. They're finding something that is critical. Now, here's the truth. If, if some of you have leaned over to that person who's with you today and you've already talked about five different things that you didn't like about church today, the message may be for you. I'm just saying it may be for you. But today we're going to bite off what does it look like to love and deal with critical people in our lives. Now, I'm not going to give you a specific passage of scripture to turn to because we're going to be in multiple passages all across God's word. But here's what I am going to encourage you to do. Man, take notes because if you take notes, it sticks and it stays and then we begin to live it out, which is the whole point in this. And we're also going to put some verses on the screen behind me for you to take notes um, in the references and where we will be today. How do we deal with people who are overly critical in our lives? Maybe for some of you, um, you work for a boss that's like this. And and you don't hear about anything good that you do before you hear about all the different things that are bad that you do. And you're like, "Mm mm-hmm, that's my boss. Yep, no, no, no doubt. He's all up in my business. She's all up in my world. Maybe for some of you, you're an adult and you're now a parent. But your parent, your mom or dad, still criticizes everything that you do because you just can't do it right, right? The way you raise your kids, the way you spend your money, the way you keep your house, and they're letting you know how you should do it. This is how we did it. This is how you should do it. Now that you got it, this is how you should do it, okay? Some of you, it's a spouse. You got a critical spouse. And they don't like the way that you look. They don't like the way that you talk. They let you know they don't like the way that you walk, the way that you chew gum, the way that you load the dishwasher or don't load the dishwasher, how you do the chores, how you don't do the chores, how you cut the grass. You didn't even do that right. And why do you wear that shirt every single time we go somewhere? Do you have another shirt in the closet? Anybody feeling me in the house? Maybe it's a spouse. We've all got that overly critical person in our lives. So how do we appropriately deal with them and love those who are very critical. I'm just curious, has anybody ever 
heard someone criticize our church? Just show of hands. How many anybody ever heard somebody? Man, I'm appalled. I can't believe this. I had no. I'm just kidding. No, man, like seriously, the churches are such an easy target for criticism, and this one's no different. I know how it goes. That exchange church, I mean, they don't even really have a real church building, so I don't even know if they're a real church. I looked that whole thing over. There's no steeple on that, so clearly Jesus is not in it, right? (laughs) That preacher, that preacher over there, he's way too young, right? There's no way he's been to seminary. He don't know how to preach, right? The staff's too demanding. They're always saying that you're supposed to serve like Jesus. I heard at Easter they made people serve five times. Are you kidding me? Five times. What kind of water they got over there, right? The preacher doesn't talk enough about, insert your favorite subject, or he talks too much about, insert your least favorite subject. He uses the wrong version of the Bible. They're too focused on the unchurched. Their teaching is too shallow. The worship's too long. Worship's too short. It's definitely too loud. I don't like it. They wear trendy clothes sometimes, and their walls are orange. Have you looked in the window? I don't even know that a church could really have orange walls and profess to love God all at the same time. It needs to be a little bit more tame. You think I don't hear what people say, right? <laughs> the reality is, man, if, if you are doing anything, wherever you are, whatever you are doing, if you're making a difference, if you're in any kind of relationship, people are going to be critical. It's happening. There's a quote that's attributed to Aristotle and to some others. Not exactly sure who said it, but the quote goes like this. To avoid criticism, do nothing, say nothing, and be nothing. Do nothing, say nothing, and be nothing. Now, I don't want to criticize that quote, but if you do nothing, be nothing, and say nothing, someone will criticize you for being a lazy bum. That's the reality. In other words, if you are alive, you are going to deal with criticism. And especially if you are a follower of Jesus, you're going to be different from this world. Your values are different. Your perspective is called to be different. Therefore, you're going to face criticism and sometimes even so far as persecution. So if you're following Jesus, we need to learn how to deal with criticism. How do we as followers of Jesus respond to that? So here's what we're going to do today. I'm going to give you four thoughts today, and hopefully these will speak to you in a powerful way about how to deal with critical people in your life. If you're taking notes, here is the first response. Number one, often you don't respond. Often you don't respond. Just because someone criticizes you does not obligate you to respond. For some of you, that's the most freeing thing you're going to hear all week long. You don't have to respond. In fact, this was Jesus' response quite often as we read Scripture. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23 says this, When they hurled their insults at him, at Jesus, what kind of insults did they give to Jesus? Well, they said he was a friend of sinners, which was not a compliment. They said that he was a drunk, that he ate too much, that he partied really hard. They said he was a lunatic, that he was a false god, he was a heretic, on and on and on and on and on. And listen to me, if they criticized Jesus who was perfect... They will criticize you too. But it says this, Jesus' response, he did not retaliate when he suffered. He made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. See Jesus' response? It says he did not retaliate. He did not defend himself. He did not complain. He simply entrusted himself to his Father in heaven. How do you respond to critical people in your life? Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you don't. Just because people have access to you 
doesn't mean that demands a response from you. Listen to what Proverbs says. Proverbs 19, verse 11. It says, a person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. What does that mean, to overlook an offense? Well, overlooking is not the same as pretending it didn't happen. Overlook here is the combination of two different Hebrew words that mean to pass over, to get over it. To overlook an offense is a form of forgiveness, but it's not forgiving something that was done in the past. It's forgiving in the moment. It's a releasing, a passing over in the moment. In other words, I know that's not really fair. Um, I know that I could get angry. I know that I could fight back. I know that I could defend myself. I know that I could let that create bitterness in my heart. But I'm choosing in the moment to get above that, to overlook it, to let it pass. That's what it means to overlook. This is something that my wife and I have had to do more over the last few years than we really cared to. We have learned in our short term of ministry that ministry is not always roses and candy canes. It's the people business and people are imperfect, including us. And there have been multiple moments where there have been real insults, real hurt, real pain caused by the criticism of people. And I'm just telling you in all honesty this morning that in those moments, there has been a big part of me that's just wanted to get down in it and defend and go, that's not right and that's not true and that's not correct and here's the real story and here's what happened. But I'm telling you what I have learned is that sometimes you have to let the Spirit of God lift you above it. And you choose in real time, I could let that affect my heart, but God's got something bigger for me, and I'm not going to let something lower cut me off from my calling that is higher. And sometimes you have to get to that place where you pray, God, give me the patience to be silent and to trust that you will work this out and that your plan will be better than if I took over or I inserted my voice or my thoughts or my opinion. And you pray, God, give me the strength and the wisdom to be still and to be silent and to trust that you are in control. So how do you respond to critical people in your life? Often, you don't respond. Second response is sometimes you respond carefully. Sometimes you need to respond carefully. Notice I did not say you react instinctively. I said you respond carefully. Listen, responding is different than reacting. We react in emotion, but we respond by letting the Spirit of God that is in us lead us to a response that would honor Christ. Um, There's a powerful example of this in the Old Testament. A guy by the name of Gideon was taking some heat, some criticism from some people who didn't like what he was doing. And I want us to catch a blip of that story. Here's what Scripture says in Judges 8, verse 1. It says, Now the Ephraimites asked Gideon, Why have you treated us like this? Why didn't you call us when you went to fight Midian? And they challenged him vigorously. But he answered them, What have I accomplished compared to you? Another version there says, They criticized him sharply. They criticized him sharply. But what did Gideon do? Notice he didn't defend himself. He didn't fight back. He didn't say, well, that's not fair. But he simply responded, and Scripture says he answered them, and he gave a very clear, very rational, very spirit-led response. 
And he said, listen, you guys don't understand that, that we worked the harvest. God brought us some grapes, and the grapes were good, which was intentional. The result was a good thing. And what we see here is he brought a very careful response, Gideon did. And then Scripture says this was the response. At the end of verse 3, Judges 8, verse 3, says at this, look at it, their resentment against him subsided. Church, there are sometimes when a real answer or a response often gives a critical person an understanding that they did not have, all because you gave an explanation. At some point, you're going to do something and someone's going to criticize you. Why in the world are you going back to school? Don't you know how much of your life that's going to eat up? Really? You're going to serve full-time ministry? Man, you need to get a, you can get a real job in the business world. Why do you serve all those hours up there at church? You're on there on Wednesday nights hanging out with students. Why do you do that? Right? Wait a minute. You're going to tell me that you're going to be a stay-at-home mom with all that talent that you got? Or better yet, you go into working world when you should be a stay-at-home mom, right? You can't win, moms. And we're going to deal with that criticism. So what are you going to do when someone says that or does that to you? Sometimes you just offer context. You just set it up. You give an explanation, and sometimes that will make sense to someone, just like in the story of Gideon's place, when they heard the answer and their anger subsided. But listen to me, how we give that explanation is just as clear as what we explain. Here's the proof of that. Listen to this proverb. Proverbs 15.1 says, A gentle, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. You see the difference in the responses there? A gentle word and a harsh word have completely different results. What happens when your friend unleashes on you with harsh criticism? Or that coworker picks you apart, well, you didn't do this and you didn't do that. Or what happens when your parents are riding you and riding you? When are you going to do this? When are you going to come through? Why are you not doing that? Listen to me. You many times need to wait before you respond. You wait before you respond because, listen to me, when emotions are high, wisdom is low. Some of you need to write that down. When emotions are high, your wisdom is low. When you act in emotions, you act out of the sinful flesh that is at the core of who you are. When emotions are high, wisdom is low. What we want to do is we wait to respond. In other words, when you type it out, don't hit send. Some of you, I just got up in your business, all right? When you type it out, don't hit sin. Paul says in Galatians that the fruit of the Spirit that should be growing in us, if we're followers of Jesus, one of those fruits is self-control. You know what that means? That's the ability not to click send. That's the ability to hold back. So when that criticism comes, you wait. You wait. We're not driven by emotions, but we are led by the Spirit. Hear me, when someone's incredibly critical, I want you to remember that oftentimes the criticism really isn't about you. Oftentimes the criticism is born out of the hurt in their own lives. I found that angry people many times are hurt people. And hurt people will hurt people. So what do we do? 
we realize that there's maybe a wound in them. Sometimes it's something they don't like about themselves and it manifests in such a way that it develops into a critical spirit of others. Now, I need to add this in. I've never ever met a well-adjusted, happy, productive, positive person who's grounded in their relationship with Christ who's constantly banging out hateful comments on Facebook. Can we go there? Is that too real? I've never found that person who's doing that same thing. All right? I don't believe that's born out of a mean-spirited person. Many times I think it's born out of a hurt inside of us. Heard a counselor say one time that behind every anger is a hurt. And so try to remember that. And when somebody's spewing hurt at you, when your dad's writing your case, when your mom won't let it go, when your boss is up in your business, recognize this. So instead of feeling defensive, how do we as followers of Christ respond? We try to have compassion. We try to love through the wound instead of taking it so personally. There's a good chance that there's hurt in their life that's causing that criticism, that's causing that anger. So I'm going to love them through it. How do you respond when people are critical? Sometimes we don't. Sometimes we respond carefully. There's a third response. It's this. Occasionally, you listen and make a change. Occasionally, you need to listen and make a change. Recognize there's actually something that you can learn from a harsh critic. There's something that you can pull out from a loving, constructive critic that really has your best interest at heart. Can I get up in your business for a minute? Some of those people that are so hard on you that speak so much into your life, listen to me, sometimes they are right, but you won't listen. Sometimes they're right, but you're so hard-headed you won't listen. If everyone tells you that you have a problem, chances are you got a problem. If your wife who loves you tells you that you yell at the kids too much and you've been riding them too hard, there's a good chance you're yelling at the kids too much. And if every one of your friends, your mom and your dad and all your coworkers tell you that you're dating the devil... Maybe you need to cast that demon aside and wait on the man of God to come up in your life and stop settling. Sometimes we need to listen to the voice of wisdom. Sometimes we listen and we make a change. If everybody's telling you something, then maybe you got something to learn. Listen to what Solomon said, Proverbs 15, 31. If, if you listen to constructive criticism, you will be at home among the wise. But... If you reject discipline, if you reject correction, you only harm yourself. Now, I've learned a lot from constructive criticism in my own life. When people have pointed out things about me that needed to change. I was thinking this week, early on when my wife Heather and I got married, man, I thought I had the husband thing under wraps. I'm like, I'm God's gift to her. This is going to be good. I got this thing down. I was doing all of this stuff. Like I'm cutting the grass. I'm washing the cars. I'm sweeping. I'm mopping. I'm dusting. I'm washing clothes on my off day. I was staying in the kitchen and when dinner was over until all the dishes were washed, the sink was clean and everything sitting on the drying mat. I'm like, my girl done hit the husband lottery. Like, come on. She has won and I am here. That was until she set me down one day and she said, you know what? I really, really appreciate all the things that you do, but I'd appreciate even more if you spent time with me. You know what? I'd rather go to bed at night with a few dirty dishes in the sink if it means that we get to hang out. 
She was right. That's how she fills her love tank. So you know what I did? This boy listened, and we made a change. See, sometimes you need to listen to that voice and make a change. If in the last year there haven't been two or three or four things as a student, as a parent, as a leader, there haven't been some things that you've changed because you've listened to constructive criticism from someone who loves Jesus and loves you, if there haven't been, you're missing opportunities for growth and wisdom in your own life. You're missing it. Sometimes you listen to it, you internalize it, and then you make a change. How do you respond to criticism? There are going to be critical people. How do you respond? Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you respond, not react, but you respond carefully. Then there are some times where you need to listen, and then you need to make a change. But there's a fourth response, and that is this. You always, you always work to guard your heart. You always work to guard your heart. Why? Because we will not be ones who live with a critical spirit. Who has the critical spirit? Scripture says that Satan, the enemy, that he is the accuser of the brethren. That's you and me. Scripture says he's the father of lies. He's the one who heaps shame and who heaps guilt. And we cannot allow that critical spirit to begin to be manifested in us. Proverbs 12, 18 says this. Some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. You see, I don't want my words, my heart, my spirit to be cutting or life-taking. I want my words, my spirit, my heart to be life-giving, to be encouraging, to encourage others on to godliness. But listen to me, church, the problem is this. Because of our sinful nature, guess what? We can be the critical ones. Many times the people problem is not there, but it is here. And oftentimes for us to deal with the critical people in our lives starts right here. And many times, we don't even know it. You know why? Because a critical person can justify their own criticism. Because they actually think, well, I've got a little bit of a right to tear things down. We have no idea how incredibly critical we can be born out of that sinful nature that's in every single one of us. Can you believe the dress she's wearing? Walk up in here, act like she loves God, looking like that. My boss, he's a complete moron, right? He's the dumbest guy I've ever seen. You kidding me? Ain't no way I'm doing what he wanted me to do. That coach, he should be fired. Can you believe he made that play call? I mean, I ain't never played it down to football in my life, but I know that wasn't the right call. Man, if I had the money they had, I'd spend that so differently. They don't even know how to handle it. I mean, if I was rich, man, I'd be way more godly than they are. They have no idea what they're doing. They have no idea how dumb they look online. She is so full of her selfie, 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 right? Her whole page is full of selfies. It's all about her. She's just nicknamed it Selfieville, right? And then we say, then we say, hey, 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 listen, I'm just being honest. I'm, I'm just being real. I'm just calling the truth like I see it. And we have no idea the critical spirit that can be raised up inside of our hearts. So scripture says you always, always, always guard your heart. Personally, I found in my own life that I can be incredibly critical 
or I can be opinionated, right? That sounds better. It's critical. I don't know about you, but some areas for me are, man, I can pick apart the way people spend their money. Man, they shouldn't be spending money on that. They ain't got enough money. I think they're in debt, and they're going out buying that thing. I can criticize the leader of something really quickly. I can walk in and go, man, there's 10 things this guy, this girl should do, and the way they lead that group and lead that thing, there's no way. I can criticize the way somebody raised their kids in a heartbeat. Man, they should discipline that little boy. They whooped his tail. I tell you what, he wouldn't act like that no more. And I can criticize somebody in their work ethic. Are you kidding me? That's their job. That's all they do all day. They need to get a real job. Why? What is that critical spirit born out of? It's always pride, arrogance, or a hurt in me. Always. It's pride, it's arrogance, or it's a hurt. So how do we overcome it? How do we overcome that critical spirit that we so easily default to? Here it is. We have to become deeply grounded in who we are in Christ. We have to become deeply grounded in that identity because in Christ we realize who God is calling us to be and what he is calling us to do. And in Christ we can say, I'm so confident in your opinion of me, God, and what you call me to do that I'm not derailed by the criticism in my life. I can overlook it because I've got a higher calling. I'm not going to get caught in the lower things that are picking me apart because I've been called to something that's so much more important and I've been approved by him. And the approval or the disapproval of the world doesn't derail me from calling me to what God has called me to do. And at the same time, catch this, at the same time, because I know who I am in Christ, I don't have to tear somebody else down to justify who I'm being. And oh, everything begins to change. Because there's security in that identity of who we are in him and what he's called us to do. And listen to me, what happens is we realize I'm not driven by praise and I'm not derailed by criticism. Because if we live for the presence of people's praise, we will die by its absence. If you live for the presence of people's praise, click like, like me, tell me I'm good, all this different thing, you will die when it is absent. And that day is coming. So in Christ, I'm choosing to let him be what defines me. I won't let compliments go to my head, and I won't let criticism go to my heart. How do we fight it, church? How do we stand against that critical spirit? We're confident, and sometimes we remain silent. We don't fight it. We don't react to it in our flesh, but we respond to it with the spirit of God that is in us. Take a minute, take a breath, wait, let God's spirit speak through you. Sometimes you listen, listen to that voice of wisdom and make a change. And you always, you always, you always guard your heart. See, what I know is what Paul says something so powerfully in the New Testament. Look at Romans 14, verse 10. Paul says it this way. He says, so why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For scripture says, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me. Every tongue will declare allegiance to God. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. Verse 13, so let's stop condemning each other. Just imagine, just a moment this morning. What if, what if we stop tearing each other down? What if we stop picking each other apart? 
What if we stopped nitpicking every single little thing about all those little people in our life? See, the reality is we're not called to be anybody's judge, but we've been called to love a whole bunch of people. And there's enough negativity, there's enough anger, there's enough bitterness in the world, but as Christ followers, we are called and marked to be different. That's the calling in the world, but not of it. We're not called to be a voice of discouragement, but to be a voice of life. So what if we chose to be people who look to see where God is working and how he is working through people and where he is working in those people? What if, like, what would that look like? See, because here's the reality. When all we focus on is the negative and we criticize every little thing that we see, listen to me, we fail to reflect the character of our God. We fail to reflect the character of God. See, God created the world and he said, it is good. And then even when we messed it up with sin, he did not say, well, shoot, we got to start all over. Now, what did he do? He brought goodness and love and purity and righteousness into the world through his son, Jesus. And he says, I'm going to take what's bad. I'm going to take what's dead and I'm going to give it life because that's what the people of God do. We speak life and not criticism. See, for some of you, the reality is you showed up to church today and the loudest voice of criticism in your life is the voice of the enemy. And maybe he speaks through other people into you. Maybe he speaks through the world, or maybe he just speaks directly into your spirit. But listen to me, you have allowed Satan to have such a say-so in your life that he has either convinced you to give up on God's purposes for your life, or he has told you and criticized you to the place where you go, man, I'm so far gone, God could never really love me. Because some of you, you used to live for God's purposes for your life. You used to be connected to church. You were about the things of God. There, you, there was that moment where you had like a spiritual experience and you go like, that was the moment where my relationship with God started. At least that's what you've been telling people for years. But listen to me, the reality is you've been listening to the critical voice of the Spirit and the reality is that nothing of your life has reflected any of that recently. Why? Because you've been listening to the critical voice of the accuser who tells you God's purposes aren't worth living for. It's not worth surrendering your whole life to. Come on, man, you got things to do. And perhaps God brought you in this morning and he caused you to watch online today so that he could remind you that he's pursuing you. And that you will only find purpose and wholeness in that relationship with him. There's others of you, and man, you have been living for you and just you for a long time. You've been living for your purposes, and your pleasures, and your plans. And maybe it's worked for a little while, but the reality is it hits dead end after dead end after dead end. And yeah, you rolled into church today, made it two weeks in a row, Easter and today. But the reality is the enemy has convinced you so much that there's no way, no way, that a holy God could love you and all the mess that you've made of your life. I'm going to tell you what Scripture says today. God is not just a life speaker, but he is a life giver, even to the most broken of lives. 
and he loves you and he cares for you and he has pursued you as well. But here's where I think maybe a lot of us land today. Others of you, you've heard this truth and now here's what you're wrestling with. You're wrestling with the reality that you've been living as the critical one. The people problem is not there. It is here. Maybe you had no idea. Like you justified it for such a long time. But today God's spoken to you so clearly that you realize as a dad, as a student, as a son, as a daughter, as a boss, you realize today it's destroying your marriage. It's hurting your family. It's ruining your influence at your workplace. And most of all, it's prohibiting you from being fully used by God. Maybe in this moment, like right here, you feel a lot of shame and maybe really overwhelmed because you're going, I had no idea it was me and it was this affecting my life. But listen to me. I got good news today. I got good news. As you go, man, how am I going to overcome this? How will I drown out the voice of the enemy? I want to take us back to the very passage where we started today. And I want us to look at one more verse. Look with me. 1 Peter 2.23 says this. When they hurled their insults at him, at Jesus, remember his response? He did not retaliate. When he suffered for you and me, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Add 24. Look at verse 24. He himself, he bore our sins in his body on the cross. So that, why? So that we, we would die to sins and live for righteousness. And it's by his wounds that you and me, that we have been, that we can be healed. That's good news today, church. Listen to me. Scripture says Jesus did not retaliate. He endured the greatest criticism, the greatest punishment ever known to man. And he did so, hear me, for the criticized and for the critical. That what Jesus bore on the cross, the punishment that he underwent in his body, he wore all of the criticism that you would ever receive and that you would ever speak. And it's only through his sacrifice that we can be healed, that the heart of the criticized person and the spirit of the critical person can find healing. So whether you've listened to the critical voice of the enemy that tells you, man, you're too hard, too far gone for God to love, or you just should give up on God's purposes, whether that's you, or whether today you sit with the reality that it's been me. I'm the critical person. Listen to me. There's hope today. There's hope. Because of Jesus, and only through Jesus, you and I can be healed. Thanks again for listening to this message. For more information about The Exchange or to find out how you can connect with or support what God is doing, visit www.theexchange.cc. Now go, be the church, and give life.